and welcome to the How We Do Digital Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Elia. Today's episode is sponsored by Faith Growth. Church websites. You guys all know this. Church websites, they're notorious for frustrating church staff, being difficult to navigate, and looking dated. Does that sound familiar? Guess what? Faith Growth builds simple and beautiful church websites that are easy to update update, so churches can reach their community. They've helped hundreds of churches revitalize their web presence and can do the same for you. Head over to faithgrowth.com to book a free consultation today. But don't do that right now. Don't do that right now. Because on this podcast, we talk to leaders who are out in the world engaging folks through digital ministry. Today, I am delighted to have my friend, Chris Burton, here with me on the show. Chris, please introduce yourself and tell us what you're into with digital ministry right now. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, this is Chris Burton, co-creator, co-host of Crossreads Podcasts, baddestchaplain.com. Uh, just out here, just trying to spread love. You know, I'm from Brooklyn. Spread love is a Brooklyn way, you know. Uh, but no, just uh, really just trying to imagine what it would be like if, you know, Mr. Rogers grew up listening to like Nas and Wu-Tang and just trying to put that into the atmosphere, you know? Oh my gosh, the atmosphere has got to be thankful for that. Absolutely. <laughs> what a contribution. Yeah. Okay, so so what? Are, tell us about the podcast. Yeah, so uh, Cross Streets Podcast uh, is a podcast I, I co-host with uh, Brittany Bongiorno, and we talk about race, culture, and soul care. Uh, we started it back in 2017. Uh, I was living in Bedside. Uh, Britt was living in Crown Heights, and we were both worshiping uh, with the church in Crown Heights at the time. And uh, initially, we wanted to do a documentary. Uh, we were, uh, you know, loving loving our, our neighborhoods. I was actually born in Crown Heights, went to school in, um, in Bed-Stuy as a kid. Um, but so I have love for both neighborhoods, but really uh, thinking about the ways in which gentrification was changing so much of the neighborhoods um, that we knew and loved. Britt had moved to uh, Brooklyn after uh, doing college in New York, so she'd been there for for quite some time, almost like pre-gentrification wave sort of deal. Um, But it was something where we were seeing how our neighbors uh, were being pushed out, um, and, and we really wanted to think about a way to sort of like catalog these stories and preserve a lot of Brooklyn history. So initially we wanted to do, do a documentary, but so we sat and we recorded a whole bunch of our neighbors. And what we realized is that this would really work best in that sort of episodic format that a podcast provides. And so um, we didn't want to splice anyone's story up in the way that you have to do a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. It can only be so long. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we've done three seasons now, that first season, primarily focusing on the stories of our neighbors in uh, Bed-Stuy and Crown Heights. Uh, the second season has a bit of that, but the pandemic happens in the middle of the second season. Um, and I had moved at that point out to Long Island and, and, and Britt uh, was bi-coastal, uh, spending a lot of time in LA and New York. And with the quarantine, obviously we weren't face-to-face and doing the interviews like how we were doing them in season one. So it became a, a lot of Zoom, uh, like, like what we're doing. Um, but it, it really... Uh, allowed us to expand beyond just talking to our neighbors in New York and talking to folks and leaders all around, all throughout the country. So now season three is here and we've been uh, 
talking to a bunch of different, uh, you know, activists, writers, entrepreneurs, uh, just really, really fascinating people, um, and, and all within the the, um, the vein of talking about race, culture, and soul care. So it's really been a blessing for us and hopefully a blessing for the audience too. Wow, what a wonderful project. Can you speak some to how this project intersects with your interests as a public theologian, as somebody who uh, you know, thinks deeply about faith? Oh, absolutely. I, I think about it in two, in two veins. Like I think about my theology being uh, very much about understanding and taking Jesus very seriously when he reads uh, the book of Isaiah and talks about the gospel being good news for the poor. I also think about um, how seriously we have to take it when we understand Jesus is one who sets the captives free. And when we take that and contextualize that with the, um, the ways in which things have gone in the United States and globally even, it lends itself to understand who is not receiving dignity and who has been um, sort of marginalized in a way that doesn't go um, with that understanding of who Jesus says we are. And so uh, for me, especially as a Black person in the United States, I think about this primarily through telling our stories, not so much in an effort to humanize ourselves in front of white people, if that happens, mm. cool, but more importantly, to remind ourselves of our own dignity and, mm. and, to, and to give younger people something uh, to aspire toward. Because sometimes we'll, we'll say, I hear people say things like, you can't be what you can't see. I don't know if that's always true because sometimes I think people have such gifts within them that they look sort of silly for wanting to pursue this gift, right? Like I think about, you know, the movie I used to love back in the day, uh, Cool Runnings, where you had a group of uh, young Jamaicans wanting to be bobsledders. Like they didn't see that necessarily, right? <laughs> right, they, they, right. <laughs> but they still were able to accomplish it. It wasn't like this, they, they weren't growing up in Canada or someplace where that's common, but they still were able to accomplish it. And so I often wonder what does it look like when you have people who have these gifts no matter how they've been suppressed by um, hegemonic powers, the gifts are still there. What does it look like for us to now be able to uh, really normalize and mainstream, you know, folks within the community who look like you, who talk like you, who, who um, have uh, similar origin stories, who are able to accomplish their dreams? What does that look like? So just really about helping to uh, enrich and cultivate that own sense of your own dignity. You know what I mean? Yeah, wow. I want to ask you, uh, I want to get, I know, I want to talk more about the heady stuff, but I want to get to a more technical question, yeah, yeah. which is kind of, you know, building a project like this. Mm -hmm. talk, talk to us some about like the effort that goes into that, the time, the planning, you know, what it, what is it taking to like post-production of an episode? You know, what what's the realities of that for somebody? Yeah. So it's really, it's really a, a team effort. Uh, Britt and I, uh, we have a ton of meetings. We stay on text. We stay on, you know, Zoom or whatever the platform is. I don't want to give Zoom free ad money. They, they got to pay us for all these. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> <laughs> other, other platforms through which you can see each other through the screen or whatever. But um, no, I, I, th I think about uh, you, you have to write it out and really have a sense of like, what's it going to be? And I, I think it's best to sort of cast the vision and be as grand as possible because life is going to get in the way and there are things you're going to have to whittle down. But so if you're starting really small, right, like you're already starting with like what you think is possible, by the time it happens, it's going to be even smaller because, oh, you know, 
there's some conflict. Maybe the mic, the mic stopped working or you, your mm -hmm. computer died. Whatever. It's just, things are going to happen. And so um, for us, it's really been about casting a large vision, um, really being structured in terms of like outlines and being structured in terms of uh, really, uh, you know, we're, 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 it's just the two of us. So we're, we're the ones who are booking. We're the ones who are doing all the editing. We're doing the voiceovers. We're, we're from soup to nuts. It's all us, just the two of us. So it's really important for us to um, spend that much time sort of planning it out. We can't just sort of go with the flow on everything. Some yeah. We talk about the need to have that sort of like improvisation um, throughout points, but there has to be a structure through which you can really improvise. So that's, that's what it's been for us. Wow, that's great. And this isn't the only outlet you're using, for sure, for no, your, your no, work no. here, and particularly anti-racism work, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, so. Yeah, yes. Oh, I was just going to say, like, on top of that, like, uh, I really enjoy, I started using TikTok about a year ago, um, doing this uh, thing. I just call it morning meds, because I feel like you got to have some sort of themes to really gather it, um, where I, I look at scripture through that anti-racist lens. It doesn't always seem like it, but it really is about understanding. I think, especially for our time, there's two things that are really important. I think number one, it's really important to name the demoniac. And, and what I mean by that is we sort of tiptoe around what the issue is. Mm -hmm. And the issue, as far as I see it, is understanding that right now, um, we as the church have, have done a, a real bang up job in messing up our own public relations that mm -hmm. you you know I, I I feel personally much more comfortable describing myself in the way that Howard Thurman describes himself as being a part of the religion of Jesus because so much of what it means to be a Christian in this time means to terrorize people mm -hmm. and that's not and that's not the Jesus I've come to know mm -hmm. and so for 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 me it's really been about uh witnessing to the world and fulfilling that great commission but also really helping people understand whether it's uh, Christians or, or, or non-Christians, a sense of like, what does it actually mean to take following Jesus seriously? What does that look like to live into the fruits of the spirit, to, to, to live with love as a chief priority, as a primary lens? And so that's really um, what I try to uh, invoke through morning meds. Uh, and just, you know, I like to do a lot of playlists. I like to uh, do shows where I'm using using music, not just like music that originated in the church, but music that comes from uh, all over the world, honestly, in order to help theme something, some sort of issue that we need to delve into, right? Like there, there have been times where a song from like Sly and the Family Stone has so resonated with a particular point I'm trying to communicate um, theologically. I think that there's, uh, I'm not afraid to use music that I enjoy and listen to uh, on a regular basis to help communicate that point across. You know? mm -hmm. Oh, I'll tell you, you've, you've certainly opened my eyes or my ears <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> to uh, quite a bit of new music and particularly uh, what that, that kind of genre of sort of Christian culture that doesn't suck because <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not evangelical <laughs> culture it's right uh, you know what's like you say the world uh global south um yeah and, uh, and some and and hip-hop that I hadn't you know experienced you know R&B soul that right uh, maybe had you know themes attendant to it so uh love absolutely love that uh so you mentioned TikTok mm -hmm. um how how are you how are you enjoying that? How are you getting engaged, you know, engagements from that? Are you finding that to be, uh, you know, moving into a vital core of your work or something? 
I think it's definitely moving into a, a vital core of the work. I, I come from that sort of Ella Baker tradition of understanding you got to be where the young people are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and, and, and so with, with TikTok, it was something where, you know, I kind of came into it like not too old. Like I, I do remember when Facebook came out, but I still <laughs> I still kind of was like, how do you use this thing? I found myself uh, with, with moments like that. But it's been really, really um, fascinating. There's so many like. TikTok is its own universe in and of itself. And it's so expansive in that way. Whatever you want to talk about, there are people having that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I, I've uh, posted morning meds and, and thankfully, uh, even though they aren't the same company, the interface is really smooth between taking something you post on TikTok and sharing it on Instagram. And so I'll take something I post on TikTok, put it on Instagram and it's video to video. It's just really uh, a lot easier. And I say easier because for me, it's really important. Uh, and I think this connects back to, I used to be um, a special ed teacher. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm always thinking about access points and how can people uh, really get on to whatever you're doing. So for someone, you know, you hand them a link to, to something you wrote and they might say like, ah, oh, this looks long. It could just be like a four minute, five minute read, but for them, they're like, I'm not trying to read this at all. Right. right? And, and, and for other people, it could just be a podcast and you're like, ah, when am I going to listen to this? It's like, I, I don't, I don't have the attention span not to just, to just not listen to it. But for some reason, I think this is part of like what made, what has made YouTube explode as well is that when it's a video and people are watching you and hearing it, it's something about like the human experience that people really, really enjoy mm-hmm. podcasts. As much as I love them, I, I, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. They tend to skew for a much older audience for an audience that's, that may have like, reach levels of education that are a bit higher mm-hmm. it's just a, it's just for some reason it's a sophisticated platform in that way but youtube and tiktok they grab everybody whether you're that sort of sophisticated person or you're someone who's like i'm not trying to learn anything else you're still learning through the osmosis of like oh i want to see what this dance is or what's that new song or so, someone teach me the history of these words there's something for everyone so i really see tiktok as that frontier where you're able to communicate messages in a way that are really really engaging and you see a lot of people hitting you back if you know how to use the hashtags right so it's cool yeah church websites are often outdated difficult to use and not very welcoming and it can be hard for churches to keep up with the latest technology and trends Website design is constantly changing, and most churches lag far behind the rest of the web. Faith Growth provides church websites that are easy to update, no maintenance, with a modern design that's welcoming to visitors. Our process helps create a website that's unique to you, so you can reach the community near you. Schedule your free consultation at faithgrowth.com and see how we can help you reach your community. Can you tell, share some of how you manage your uh, social media presence? Meaning, okay, are you scheduling out like when you're going to be on TikTok, what you think you might do for a week on TikTok and, and Twitter, you know, you're, you're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spreading the love. as it's, Trying, it's like, yeah. trying, trying. <laughs> I think for um, me, I'm not as organized as, you know, I probably would like to be or, or, or um, you know, I, I think about, when um what was that platform there was a platform um that used to exist where you could schedule your, all your your tweets out i used to use it for tweet i think it might have been called clout i can't remember clout, but, yeah 
but it, I used to use that a lot, especially when I had a show um, called Songs That Could Do No Wrong, where I was just playing um, a, a lot of music on that show. I would really schedule it out so that, you know, because I, I learned at that point, the uh, Facebook was like the only game in town. And it was really important to understand what time of the day people were engaged, right? So you could post something, mm-hmm. you know, two o'clock, but that might be like a down point in a, in a particular day. So now with uh, TikTok, I try to just be consistent about the time of day I post, but also for what I've realized, and I just haven't had the um, mindset to fully do this, but I need to, is posting multiple times a day is what really gets your engagement locked in, right? So TikTok really sort of rewards, I don't know if it's like a very like Puritan mindset behind it, but it's like, <laughs> like it, it rewards like some sort of like Protestant work ethic if you post several <laughs> times a day. But it's really like that. Like if you're someone who posts once, like he posts once a week on TikTok, you're going to get no engagement. But if you're someone who posts four times a day, like every day, mm-hmm. you could just be like, hey, did you check out that last week? It could be something really quick. That for some reason, the algorithm rewards people like that more than not. So. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you're also currently studying uh, for your D-men That's in right. that process. Yeah. Are you? So you're in a you're in or a place that I kind of envy right now, where uh-huh. you're you're doing ministry out in the world, but you're also in that environment of uh, you know um, theological camaraderie. Yeah, et cetera, and getting to have those conversations too. I'm wondering in those conversations with your, you know, your cohort or just being mm-hmm. in the seminary community, if you see something maybe emerging within you know, a consensus around digital ministry or something people might be kind of looking toward in the future. There, you know, I definitely see it as a crisis people are responding to. I think mm-hmm. the, the crisis being that that sense of and I, I, and it was funny is I didn't necessarily have the words for it, but I felt it from when I was doing my MDiv, mm-hmm. um, like a few years back, was that for a lot of people, the brick and mortar church has been safety. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, okay, I'm going to go into seminary. Uh, I'm going to get ordained. I'm going to take a job, maybe a, like a rural church or some sort of small congregation and then that might lead into like a, a mid-sized church. And then for the really ambitious people, I'm going to get a big church, right? And, and so I think that's been sort of the career trajectory for people. But sort of what they didn't anticipate or, or plan for was that church is going to drastically change, mm-hmm. right? I don't think people saw it. I think for the folks who've been paying attention, uh, and from my estimation, ever since Watergate, right, before I was alive, we've been collectively, we as society have had less and less trust for institutions, right? Like if you had a map that's that sort of tracked trust in institutions, it's never gone up <laughs> since like <laughs> 74. It's only gone down, right? <laughs> some faster than others. And so what that means for my money is that what church is going to continue to look like is actually what it looked like in the beginning, which is small gatherings of people right? You might have six people in your house, might have 10 people in your house, right? And y'all share a meal together. You pray together. You worship God together. Maybe someone hears the word. Maybe it's through something like a a, a platform I was on a a few months ago called a sermon for every Sunday. Maybe Mm -hmm. y'all are playing that uh, platform in, in the middle of it, but your actual 
let's put on nice suits and dresses and go in our, our, our Buick and go to church. That's gone. With the Buick. With the Buick, right? <laughs> Product placement all around, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's gone. It, it's, not, it's not coming back. And I think that's a really hard pill for people to, to swallow, but it's the truth. And I think what we have to understand is like, this doesn't mean the Great Commission's done. This doesn't mean that like, we can't be church anymore. Quarantine has for, sort of forced our hand to sort of reinvent the ways in which we worship God, right? People mm-hmm. are taking communion with like applesauce and graham crackers and grab whatever they can in their house. But it's, it's really just a sense of like us trying to understand like how is the spirit moving in this time? And, and I think that's what makes media ministry so exciting is that you can really live into that great commission and still keep community. Cause I don't, I don't think it's only something that's good for the ambitious people who want to have like some sort of like fame to it. I, I, I don't think that's, that's the only purpose, right? I, I think it's really beneficial for people who want to have community, even if they can't. So I, so I think about, you know, our, our, our family who, has accessibility issues, whether they've been ill for a long time, maybe have an invisible illness, maybe they're a part of the um, disabled community somehow, and they can't go out every day. Now, with media uh, ministries uh, growing in use, they're able to access church in a way that they couldn't before. That's what excites me about it, is really being able to make sure that we're not leaving anybody out, that it can be truly inclusive in that way. Yeah, yeah. Create, we can even create the communities we want to be a part of that That's didn't, it. did never exist before, right? It never and, existed before, right? Yeah. So where, this is like our, uh, our youth minister question here coming <laughs> up, but uh, where do you see God online? Where do I see God online? Uh, I, I see God in the vulnerability that people are having with each other. Mm. Um, and the honesty that people are having. Um, at first, I was really skeptical of it when I see people online talking about like deconstruction, deconstruction, right? And I just was like, oh, this is just church hurt. This is a, they, they've rebranded church hurt. Right. But I think it's just a sense of people are craving honesty. And, and even though, you know, that trust in institutions has eroded, I think people still trust honesty. People still trust kindness. People still trust compassion. And I and I, I see God in in the fo- faces of people who have really been wounded and hurt, and, and I think about how important suffering is from my understanding of relationship with God. That all of us walk with a limp because if we didn't, somehow we wouldn't have as much empathy for one another if we if if we were just walking around all right, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that 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 deep need to receive empathy can be an invitation to grow your own sense of empathy if you're someone who just says like i need help and you just make it all about yourself that's a different thing but i am seeing people really want to help one another sort these things out and i and i see that as a crying out to god that you know if the right um like loving compassionate ministers enter those spaces with a heart to listen and a compassionate listen it can be a really transformative season that we're entering you know Wow. Uh, I should end it there, but I want to, I want to get just a little bit more. That was so great. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bleed you dry, Chris, right now. (laughs) Um, So, you know, our primary audience, I think for this podcast are um, mainline and progressive, uh, you know, congregational leaders. 
can give us can you can you cast some vision for the church or give some some word something you got you got to tell those folks about what's going on what you see yeah well I, i'll say the way um like i i do my own little plug here like i, I put out yeah. uh, two ebooks last year um one on, on, on the book of um daniel one on the book of esther and, and with the book of daniel i talk about confession being the start uh and, and I, I really do believe that that's that's where we are, especially for, um, you spoke about your audience being mainline and progressive. It's really important that we all confess our complicity in the mess that, that, that exists. It's very uh-huh. easy for us to say like, what's wrong with them? Whoever, mm. you're, whoever your them is, right? It's very easy to say that without doing the hard work, the painful work of examining your own complicity. How have you benefited from the oppression of other people? And, and doing that, that sort of work can be an opportunity for us to really be healed, right? Like, why are we in this rat race in the first place? Why do we think that bigger means better? Why, why do we operate through this lens of scarcity? Well, right. when they go there, then I won't have. Like, why do we have that? Really interrogate those things, deconstruct those things, if that's the jam. But really um, thinking about this in a way of like, how is God calling me to be a part of the repair? Because I, th- I think that's the opportunity that we have right now. It is, every crisis births an opportunity. And I think this is the opportunity we have is how can we really confess the mess that we've made and be a part of the repair? That's wonderful. Well, Chris, our time is, um, is up today. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting no, no with doubt. me. Where do you want to be found online? Love it, love it, love it. So um, baddestchaplain.com. Um, Instagram is baddest chaplain, Twitter is baddest chaplain, TikTok is also baddest chaplain. Um, on Facebook, we have a, a Cross Streets podcast listeners group. Um, Instagram has Cross Streets uh, uh, podcast. Uh, you, you can listen to uh, us there on Apple uh, Podcasts. We're Cross Streets, Spotify, um, we're there as well. Um, yeah, so just listen. Uh, say hello let me know what you're thinking and uh let's continue to to do the good work you know awesome so we'll get all those links up in the show notes thanks again thank you everybody listening uh we want to invite everyone listening to join us in our private facebook group how we do digital ministry uh that link is in the show notes too so it's a place to join with colleagues and discuss all things digital ministry and share your tips your frustrations your wins uh, you know, on the other six days of the weeks when you aren't listening to this, a new episode of this podcast, but, uh, until next week, peace and blessings to you all. Thank you.